0: The views and opinions we express in this podcast are our own and do not represent the official position of the Youth in Government Program, or the YMCA. Hi, everyone. Uh, It's been a few weeks that we've been doing this podcast, and, um think we've learned some things. I've definitely sought to improve some things, but uh, here I am with my brother, like usual. Say hello, James.
1: (laughs) Hello, James.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Well, this week we're doing something uh, a little different. The episode that follows this brief introduction is uh, our first attempt at recording a podcast uh, to test out whether it was going to work or not. After producing this, which we call episode zero, we've made some adjustments to some segments and... uh, acquired some better technology, uh, to hopefully enhance everyone's listening experience. Um, so James, would you like to say a little bit about, uh, what this episode goes into?
1: Yes. Um, just very briefly, the theme we picked when we just wanted to try making a podcast episode was the, uh, youth and government program motto. And, um, Since it goes pretty harmoniously with the core values, which we've just concluded um, five weeks of recording about, um, you and I were talking about this and how it would be great to have that step in here right after the core values, and that honestly we were pretty happy with at least a lot of the reflections we made uh, in episode zero, and so we're just hoping that uh, for you listeners uh, that this is close enough... in quality to what we've been doing as a podcast that, um, it'll work for you as, uh, an introduction, at least to the YAG program motto and, um, uh, and to some of the things that we've been trying to explore in this podcast.
0: Thanks, James. And looking ahead to, um, future episodes, which we'll come back to after, uh, the new year, we're definitely going to talk about, uh, elections and voting, um, and probably some other fun YAG type things. Um, I did want to mention that Anchor FM, which is where our our podcast is hosted, has a messaging function that we have not alerted anyone to yet, Mm. Um, but we believe you can send us voice messages if you want to, and we would love to hear from our listeners um, if they're able to. So um, with that in mind, I'm hoping to hear from people uh, why they think YAG is an important program. And I'm hoping to put together an episode kind of on that topic. So if people can send us messages, you're limited to one minute on Anchor. So if you've got more to say, uh, do send us an email um, and we'll share that story. Um, But if you can do a voice message, that'd be really cool, too.
1: Absolutely. Uh, And as you uh, as Anna just referenced, um, we are about to take our break. Uh, This will be the last episode you get from us here in 2020. Uh, And so we'd like to just send out uh, good wishes to you all. It is a dark and cold time of year, uh, at least for the Northern Hemisphere. And uh, uh, many of us, um, including your podcast co-hosts, celebrate holidays that um, talk about light and hope and uh, the importance of gathering together. And those things are important now, but obviously... Not all of them are available to us right now, um, especially that gathering together. And so uh, we hope you all are able to celebrate um, as much as you can of the holidays um, that matter to you uh, here in the long pandemic winter, and uh, that you'll be back in January, as we will, uh, feeling maybe just a touch more hopeful as we continue to engage in this long civic project uh, that you think government has been working at for over 70 years. And Anna and I have each spent something like 20 to 25 years on. So uh, it'll be great to feel a sense of energy and hope as we step into a new year. And we look forward to uh, you being here
0: with us when we do. Yes, please do come back. Yeah. All right, it's time to go back in time. Just a few weeks to... Episode zero. Welcome to the first episode of Yag and Recreation, a fledgling podcast where my brother and I get together and discuss all things relating to Yag. We need a
1: theme song. We need, like, did you write us a theme song? (laughs) No. (laughs) this is this is great episode zero conversation yes a we need a theme song and b why haven't you written this one yet this is great because
0: i'm because i am not a musician um yeah so james yeah anna uh what is this that we're doing
1: you know uh we're not sure yet but we think what it is is uh kind of Silly, lighthearted conversation about youth and government stuff um, that is also maybe a chance to, um, I don't know, share some ideas and some stories and some uh, suggestions that maybe would benefit people. Because between the two of us, we've got 40 some years of doing YAG stuff. Yes.
0: And people- We should be We should be clear, though. My opinions expressed here are solely my own and are not- the official opinions of the YMCA youth and government program.
1: (laughs) That's totally true. That's totally true. Um, but it, but it, it might be fun. People tell us that they think our stories are amusing sometimes and people tell us that we're like good sources of information sometimes. So why not turn it into a silly little podcast and just see if people want to listen to it.
0: Awesome. Well, um, I'd like to go ahead and call this, uh, episode zero of our podcast to order. Mm. If I had a gavel, I would pound it, but that'd sound terrible on a podcast. So totally true. insert gavel pound here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I was going to open our podcast with a kind of a thought or an invocation. Uh, it's been a while since I've done this, so uh, in setting out to prepare it, I googled quotes on our episode topic, which is democracy. And one that stood out was Woodrow Wilson. He said, democracy is not so much a form of government as a set of principles. And I will be honest, I do not know much about Woodrow Wilson as a person or a president. And since quotes out of context can get you in trouble sometimes, I thought I'd look for the origin of it. And so it was written for an article in the Atlantic Monthly back in March of 1901. And the overall sentiment is, a. Uh, Not necessarily my favorite for the article, but he did have lots of little chunks about democracy that I thought were lovely. Um, He describes it as unquestionably the most wholesome and livable kind of government the world has yet tried. It supplies, as no other system could, the frank and universal criticism, the free play of individual thought, the open conduct of public affairs, the spirit and pride of the community, and of cooperation, which which make governments just and public spirited, which I thought was really cool and aspirational given the uh uncertain times we're living in right now. So, I thought that was a super way to start this off and hopefully we can all strive to be cooperative and full of community sense and I don't know. What do you think? I think do you know like... much about Woodrow Wilson.
1: I boy, I could talk about Woodrow, uh, but that's probably a different podcast. Yeah. Uh, I will say your not a great impression of him in the Atlantic Monthly in uh, March of 1901. He didn't really get it. That that's kind of what it says on the outside of the tin is what's inside the tin on Woodrow. So uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I love I love the quote you picked out there. I've definitely never read that piece from the Atlantic, and I think that's that would be a really cool like paragraph for uh kids to sort of unpack a little bit like yeah what does all this stuff mean Uh, because i I think that sounds that's a neat way of describing democracy and it's one i haven't heard before
0: yeah yeah um you don't have to read the article it's not worth it okay thank you i'll pull some other quotes if you need them (laughs) um so moving on uh given that this is our first uh installment we have no old business that's true and so we should just move right ahead to new business um which those of you out in uh, podcast land will be delighted to know we're going to let James deep dive oh, oh on a topic of his choosing. Here it comes. <laughs> and I think I may have to set a timer and cut him off after five minutes, but we'll oh, see. please do. We'll see. Yeah. So, James's deep dive today is on the YAG motto.
1: Yes. Democracy must be learned by each generation. Yeah. Um, so the quotation, I've always heard that it's, um, a quote from Dr. Earl Hawkins, um, who founded Maryland YAG, but I actually don't really know, like, that would be a cool follow-up episode for us to actually find out a little more about the history of YAG. For now, I'm just going to take the motto, like, as it is, um, and talk about why I love our motto and why I teach our motto to our students, um, and how I try and talk about it. Um, and I will say, um, a big chunk of this talking about the motto is something that either I have stolen from Steve Retz or Steve stole from me, or we like somehow alchemized it between our two brains. But this is definitely a way that I know that both Steve and I talk about the motto. And I think it's, I think it works really well.
0: Yay, Steve. Hey Steve.
1: Um, so democracy must be learned by each generation. This is something that like my students just learn, like they know it. Um, so that I can at a meeting say, hey, what's our motto and get it back, at least from my seniors and juniors um, and usually even my younger students. Um, and then and and they know that I'm sort of centering them around something when we do that. Um, so what I would say in breaking the motto down a little is that there are three things that I think are really important about the motto that matter for us as mentors and as, as leaders in youth and government. Um. The first four words of the motto, democracy must be learned, that on its own is, I think, such a cool and big idea. Democracy has to be learned. Like, it's not just a thing you live inside, but it's a thing that you have to like, figure out how to do, right? It's a set of skills. I feel like a lot of the conversation we're having right now in America really is about like, oh crud, what if we've forgotten how to democracy, you know? Like, what if, what if this is not, like what if this is a skill we don't have anymore? And it, we can't just treat it as something that, oh, yeah, like Alexander Hamilton and James Madison sort of worked it out, and and now it's just a thing that happens here. And it's not as easy as just saying, well, if everybody votes, then we must have a democracy, right? It's more than that. It's a thing you've got to learn. So I think that on its own, I think, is super important and cool, and I think you could have a good conversation about that, and I have. Um, then the second, you know, second half of the motto, by each generation— Again, it's not something that we can just say, oh, well, luckily that generation a long time ago figured it out for us. Whether we're talking about the founding fathers or whether we're talking about like the civil rights movement, um, you know, we can point at these generations in American history where people did some really important stuff for democracy, but that doesn't do anything for us because we have to figure it out. And I love that we say um, generation because it isn't just an individual thing, right? If I've got democracy handled, but the people around me don't, it doesn't do much. Um, it doesn't actually like do the things that democracy is supposed to do. And I talk about that with kids a bit about like, okay, so like, who are you relating to here? Like, how does, I've had some really good conversations asking students to reflect on the their friends who don't do YAG and what the system looks like to them and what democracy means to them because um, the kids are pretty harsh critics, I think of their generation usually. But it's interesting to think about like, okay, where does that come from? What, what's that all about? And then the part that's not in the motto, but the part that Steve and I have always leaned on when we do leadership stuff with the kids, um, is to say, okay, so if democracy must be learned by your generation, who is going to teach them? And, uh, there's usually kind of crickets there. <laughs> and then usually somebody says, um, you, right. You, you adults, right. You're supposed to teach us. Um, Which I say, that's great. I mean, I'm sure that I'm giving you some advice that is helpful to you. But really, I don't think I can teach you democracy. Democracy is a thing you have to learn by doing it. That's the whole reason we have our program, right? Is that we're not doing like government fantasy camp where we're all just sort of pretending to be senators for a while and then we can go home and do like normal things. We're doing this because we think the only way to learn how to do this is to do it. And so really impressing on students that uh, your generation isn't going to learn democracy unless you engage in democratic action and you as a group figure this out together. How do you have a conversation about stuff that's hard? How do you arrive at a decision, but make sure you've heard the other side of it? What do you do when people from different parts of the state or the country um, have different perspectives because of different experiences? Like, the only way to learn that is by doing it. And I think that really both scares and empowers kids <laughs> to realize that crud, like if my generation isn't going to learn democracy, like it's going to be on me. And I'm old enough now that I do tell them, like, I don't think my generation has done this great. Like, let's look at how, let's, well, let's look at like how the country feels right now. I don't think we've really learned how to have those conversations and how to um, bridge those gaps um, not in a way that just like, oh, well, if two people disagree, then some sort of compromise right in the middle must always be true. I don't I don't want to approach it like that. But if I'm going to live in a society with people who really disagree with me, like democracy is figuring out how to do that. So those are the three things that I sort of pull apart f- of our, from our motto. Thank you, Earl Hawkins, wherever you are. Um, and I I I feel like I've gotten some mileage out of it with our kids, especially with the students who are leaders and who want to be leaders because for them being told that they have ownership of this, it seems like it really sort of motivates them.
0: Thanks, James. Uh, You're welcome. I, I think that came in, in around five minutes. Oh, awesome. Because I did I'm not using, time that out at all. Yeah, I'm using my cell phone for other purposes right now, so I couldn't time it. Well, this is, a, high,
1: this is a sophisticated high-tech podcast, so I'm, it really I'm is. sure that's yeah. what we're doing.
0: No less than four computers. <laughs> um, Cool. Well, um, I don't know what to follow that up with. What you're going to follow it up
1: with is something lighthearted because like, I am. we've nearly I know put for the listening audience to sleep. So what are we doing? Incredibly
0: different. <laughs> um, James likes to deep dive into really important topics and give you lots of helpful and useful information. And I like to rewrite pop songs into <laughs> youth songs. Yes, you do. Um, so, yeah. I'm going to have to. I don't have it queued up right now. So this is going to get slid right in. Post-production. Fancy. Um, my song, Yag Nerd that I wrote with my uh, partner in crime, who's moved on from the program. Uh, so I am uh, out in the world looking for a new uh, co-conspirator for oh, that's fantastic. rewriting lyrics, if anyone out there wants to uh, join me what in the What an amazing fun. opportunity. Um, but we rewrote uh, the song... Mm. Royals by Lord. To be about Youthledge. If anybody wants to see the whole thing, I'm pretty sure you can look up Yagnerd on YouTube. <laughs> and there's not there's not a lot of hits on that one. Um, it's pretty fun.
1: I didn't believe them when they
0: said, I dig this thing that's called youth ledge, but I love it. And now I'm hooked on drafting bills. I know parley pro, I don't try to Song of the week. Biweekly. How frequently are we doing this? Um, fun fact, I did pay someone to sing Yagnerd and feed them dinner. That's fantastic. In in my kitchen. Uh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, uh, moving right along to uh the third item of new business, which is our elections roundup.
1: Elections Roundup. We need like a rodeo sound there. We need some jangling spurs. We need something.
0: Oh, I'm on it. Not awesome. really. Awesome. All right. Elections
1: um. Roundup. This <laughs> is exciting. So um while Anna grabs the role descriptions, um, I guess I'll just say, since this is a part of the podcast, that we're gonna sort of kick back and forth uh like a soccer ball. Um each each episode, we're gonna grab a couple of um, election elected or appointed. I think sometimes um, positions uh, of leadership in YAG. Um, we want to talk about this. What well, like what the role does? Um, Anna's gonna read some of the description stuff there, um, and then I've got some ideas. I'm sure Anna has ideas too about um, how the how the roles work. Really, like in practice, the stuff that's not written down, but it is just stuff you should know if you don't. Um, and the kind of student or students who tend to thrive in that kind of role or the kind of person who you might want to encourage to um, participate in that in that way. Um, I, we, we think this is the sort of thing that like you learn over time at YAG. Um, but again, it's not written down anywhere.
0: Uh, today, we are going to cover uh, one of our major officer or a pair of our major officer roles, actually, mm-hmm. uh, the President Pro Tem of the Senate and the Speaker of the House Pro Tem. Um, and so they have the following responsibilities to preside over their respective houses during designated sessions or in the absence of the president or speaker participate in debate and vote in their respective chambers if desired and when not presiding preside over the O'Brien house and Sherbourg Senate, the speaker pro tem in O'Brien and the president pro tem in Sherberg serve on a legislative committee and may vote in that committee. The president pro tem shall be the vice chair of the Senate rules committee. The speaker pro tem shall be the vice chair of the house rules committee. Work in close cooperation with their respective presiding officers and rostrum staffs to ensure the smooth functioning of their respective chambers. Attend the proclamation signing leadership training and why advocacy day events, as well as the youth legislative session in its entirety.
1: Great. Yeah. Um, this is a role that, um, Students don't run for, per se, right? A student has run for either lieutenant governor or speaker, and then um, they finished as a runner-up. So that it makes it a little tricky to talk about, like, who would be good in this role. But for me, when a student is running for lieutenant governor or speaker, I always talk with them about what the pro tem's job is also because I want them to be aware of the two different jobs they might have. Um, To me, this is a role that's a lot about um, coordination, and delegation like um, depending on the year sometimes there's a big pile of freshmen and each pro tem has a big chamber of freshmen of their own sometimes there's a smaller one that's shared by the two pro tems and so they can sort of switch on and off and work with a group of freshmen for part of the session and sometimes be in their chamber I think we've had years where we basically didn't have a freshman chamber where those pro tems just sort of end up in their chambers most of the time, but at every step of the way in the session, I feel like there's just a lot for them to do that needs to be about not just leadership, but working well with others. Um, If they're in a freshman chamber, their job is to help those freshmen feel like comfortable and welcome. And usually they're trying to encourage the freshmen to get involved by, you know, getting them up to the roster and getting them to to hold the gavel or help with the paperwork. You know, they, they've got to be comfortable in a role where they're, their job by the end of session is to make themselves a little bit obsolete because the freshmen can actually sort of run things. Um, the same is true, like they have to be sort of comfortable up um, at the rostrum in the House or the Senate, um, not always being the person the spotlight is on, but maybe being someone who's just paying attention to what's going on and, and is engaged in a way that supports what the lieutenant governor or the speaker are doing. Um, and then managing rules is a huge nightmare. Um, depending on how good the chairs and vice chairs are. We've had our years. Um, But the pro-tems have to be able to actually get um, a pretty big group of people who aren't always as focused as um, they ought to be um, to communicate with each other and to arrive at some kind of reasonable, like at least reasonably organized chaos um, in a pretty short amount of time. Um,
0: In a future episode, we will talk about Rules Committee, I'm sure.
1: Oh, I'm sure we will. And I think that with pro tems, the thing that is also important is they've got to be people who are motivated about getting, um, getting, helping students feel connected because so much of the time they're working with freshmen. That's almost always a big chunk of their job. And so when you're thinking about somebody who's running for speaker or lieutenant governor, in addition to having that like presence and skill to be able to stand up in front of a big formal marble chamber and sort of preside, like you also need that person to have that set of heart for connecting um, people to the program and especially young people to the program, because if they're elected as a pro tem, that's their job. Um, is to really you know to be to be expert and to be a good leader and manager of a chamber, sure for sure. Um, but it's in, in such a different space that really the thing that's more important is helping people feel connected,
0: I think. Awesome. So if someone wants to run for this role, they can't effectively.
1: Yeah. If someone only wants to be a pro tem, you're right. It's, the, it's basically impossible to run for.
0: Yeah. But so in order to become a pro tem, you would run for a presiding officer position, Mm -hmm. as major officer position which we elect a year in advance and um the second the runner-up in that race the person who comes in second second most votes would become the pro tem for the chamber that they ran to be the presiding officer of Mm -hmm. So, speaker of the house if they come in second they're the speaker pro tem and they preside usually over the o'brien but as james mentioned sometimes we only have one depends on how many participants we have Yes. Um, and so in order to be eligible to run for, uh, presiding officer position, which includes the pro tems, you have to have had a year of experience in our program. So attended session prior to your running, um, you can't run for that position the first year. So if you want to run in your 10th grade year, you have to have participated in your 8th or ninth grade year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh. Running for it, you have to get uh, elected at the district level to be the representative from your district to run for that position. So you have to kind of plan ahead. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that, that's the pro tems. Um, We're also going to talk about one of the positions that kind of rotates around, although this one actually doesn't rotate. Um, Every district receives the opportunity to fill this role Every year, which is a lobbyist executive supervises a team of lobbyists, assists the chief lobbyist as needed, work with presiding officers and rostrum staff. I think I wrote that description. That's not what's in the handbook. That's my description.
1: <laughs> it's a good one.
0: Oh, thank you. I thought it summed everything up quite neatly. Uh, yeah. Let me see if we have more information in the lobbying corps. Hey, there we go. Assistant lobbyist executives which I guess isn't what we... Do we call them that?
1: Their name has morphed around a lot. And you're right. It I think in some places... It should just be lobbyist executive. It totally should.
0: There's an assistant to the chief. No, there's an assistant chief. I'm getting stuck in the office. Um, there's an assistant chief lobbyist officer, which is not this. This All should right. just be lobbyist executive. Uh, have the following responsibilities. Serve as the executive officer of an assigned lobbying firm. Work with the chief lobbyist in making lobbyist assignments. Ensure that all lobbyist materials are approved by a lobbyist advisor before use by any lobbyist. Coordinate lobbying efforts in their respective areas of responsibility. Work with presiding officers and rostrum staff to ensure consistent process in lobbyist testimony. Meet with lobbyists assigned to respective chambers to coordinate testimony on legislation and assist in preparing testimony as needed. Man, that's a lot. It is. It talks a lot about testimony. Yeah.
1: I like your, I like your summary.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so this brev- brevity um, is the soul of wit.
1: It is. It is. The, um, the thing that I think is that has been interesting about the lobbying program is it has changed a lot. Um, the role as described here in this sort of structure for the lobbying program is a, the brainchild of, um, Eric Ishida, uh, who was youth governor in, I think, Oh nine um, maybe
0: 08.
1: Uh, uh, should I Google it? This is, this is information we have. <laughs> Hang on. Um,
0: oh, 09. Not oh, 09.
1: wait. Um, oh, and eight. I, and and I will freely admit that at the time I thought it was a terrible idea. Um, but it has proved to be a real success and I was wrong, which I think is really important for me to say at least once a podcast. I agree. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so the, the role of the lobbyist exec, I think, can look different in different um different years. Um, functionally, like you're a team leader, right? And it's a really entrepreneurial thing, this lobbying core. Like if you just sit at your table and wait for people to come ask you to do something, almost nothing will happen. You've got to be a real go-getter. You've got to be reaching out to people and figuring out ways of staying involved. The chief lobbyist, like the lobbyists are supposed to sort of motivate the individual firms to compete with each other a little bit, but like practically speaking, a kid who's going to run for lobbyist has got to be someone who really loves being on the move. You know, the kind of kid who likes to take off their suit coat and roll up their sleeves and look like, you know, a newspaper man from the forties or something like that. Like that's a, (laughs) that's the sort of energy you want, regardless of how a kid dresses. Um, I think you also want someone being a good lobbyist is about speaking and persuasion. Being a good lobbyist exec, though, I think is rarely about that. Um, it's about f- preparing and motivating and empowering the members of your firm, and being a really good eye for talent. Like being able to figure out really quickly that yeah, that you know ninth grader who's brand new is kind of quiet, but if you you know if he's got some talking points, he can stand up and present a whole bill without much prep that's great. Then you want to use that. You know, we got to send that kid out more often or, Oh, you know, this person has seemed really disengaged, but she's doodling all the time. We got to get her to work on some flyers. Well, we need to find some bills that need some like handouts or something like that. So I think being someone who is a real people person, I think that matters. Um, and I think also being someone who recognizes like what the role of the lobbying core is to go back to our theme of democracy, like, um, the only way, um, I don't know if you're hearing that train in the background. I forget we live so close to the train.
0: I kind of am. Yes.
1: Um, the the role of our lobbying core is to provide those like perspectives and attitudes that might not show up naturally with the group of people who are in the chamber, right? The group of senators might not have thought of something. Well, the lobbyists are there to get that information into the mix, to do some research on the fly, to produce talking points or to get themselves yielded to so that they can like share some sort of perspective they're not going to vote their job though is to make sure that the chamber has some information that without it they might not make as good a decision and sure they've got their own biases right they're usually trying to get a bill passed or get a bill failed but that is that's yeah, democracy yes. right i mean that's like that's how it actually works in the real world and so no I think someone, no
0: bribing though
1: no 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 but i think i think like a kid who actually kind of like values that part of the conversation and who thinks, yeah, like what we do is important, not just because it's fun, but because it's part of how like good decisions get made. I think that's cool. I think, uh, I think that Arlen, the pal in that area, has done a lot to try and build that sense of uh, um, the importance of lobbying and of what lobbyists do. Um, and I think that's cool, and I hope in the long run, as the lobbying program probably continues to morph and change, um, that ho- whoever's leading it, both at an adult and at a student level, like, maintains that kind of ethic, because I think it's a really cool thing.
0: Awesome. Um, those interested in running for this position, um, you run at the district level, so however your district elects positions, um, usually by meeting, although in these days... That's not a thing, um, but in order to run, to be eligible, you need to have prior experience as a lobbyist. Um, you need to be in tenth through twelfth grade, and you have to attend the leadership training event. Um, yes, yes, and so that's that's the lobbyist executive. That's our that's the end of our elections roundup. Oh man, Yeah.
1: We got we got we got to have like a <laughs> we need something we a little stinger Get at being the
0: there. We need something. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we've reached kind of the end of our uh, appointed agenda. Yes. Um, if we have any announcements, uh, that's a thing. I don't think uh, You're always right welcome now. to. Well, I mean, people out there who are listening to this who found us, if they're interested in getting in touch with us, we do have a Gmail address.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yag and recreation. All one word at gmail.com
1: yeah and it um, is so YAG get- and not yig sometimes people think it's youth Yag, in the yes. government but it is not it is youth and government
0: here in washington that's how we roll um yes. and i think it's important to note that youth and government is actually multiple programs um yes. we tend to focus you and i on youth ledge because that's our wheelhouse that's what we do um but we do have a very, in our state a very lovely and robust mock trial program that is also a YAG program. Yeah. So that's they an should start their own
1: podcast. I I'd listen.
0: Well, then we'd have to call this yoll and Recreation.
1: We've already picked. Like we got the Gmail address. If they want to, if they want to, like you know what, we can cross brand. We could do some cool multi-platform stuff. Like this is. That's that's what we're all about.
0: We could always take the interview. opportunity to discuss the, the court system in our country sometime.
1: I got thoughts. You know I do. I do
0: too. <laughs> uh, um, anyway, so you're welcome to reach out to us uh, if you'd like to tell us to shut the heck up about mock trial because we don't know what we're talking about. That's true. Um, you know, or uh, if you'd like to uh, suggest a topic that you'd be interested in having James dive deeply into for five minutes.
1: I need so little provocation, the or, tiniest or
0: so a song,
1: <laughs> or so or a song. I'm sorry, I'll shut up. Or, now. S-
0: or a song or a song I can cover. Um, that so would be great. Th- I don't. I full disclosure, I do not sing. So
1: you have s- yo now. Hold on, you have sung for them before,
0: haven't you? Just the one, just okay. the one. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, I do have one written that's not recorded that I need someone to sing. Right there. Anyone who feels as though they have the vocal range for journey music, um, hit me up. (laughs) Um, Other than that, I think, is there anything else for the the good of the order?
1: Not for me. We need a little closer here. We need to say like, you've wasted another perfectly good hour listening to car talk. Like we need, we need that sort of, do you have something? We
0: do. We do. Well, I, well, I, 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 we don't have quorum, but I would love to entertain a motion to adjourn this podcast.
1: Oh, uh, so move if,
0: if, if anyone's, oh, I see. I do see that hand raised up on my phone screen over there. Yes. Um, Rosenzweig.
1: Yes, uh, James Rosenzweig, Spokane Delegation. Um, I'd like to move to adjourn.
0: Uh, all those in favor?
1: Aye.
0: <laughs> oh, thank you. A- opposed? Nope, see, seeing as uh, no one's opposed to us stopping, we're going <laughs> to adjourn uh, this episode of the podcast. Thank you for listening. And uh, we'll see y'all, hear y'all, yeah, listen to us again sometime in the future. Thank you.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of YAG and Recreation, an Up Two Productions podcast. YAG and Recreation is co-written and co-hosted by my sister, Anna Hazen, and by me, James Rosenzweig, and edited solely by the multi-talented Anna Hazen. Thanks also go to Tanum Fotheringo, our program and coolness consultant, to Jeff Hazen for composing and recording our introductory music and providing on-call technical support, and to Ben and Sam Hazen for additional incidental music and fully
0: artist work. We'll see you next week. And that's all for today.